When is a trip to Los Angeles not a trip to Los Angeles? When it's a trip to Culver City, a five-square-mile city next to Los Angeles that features the best tacos, the freshest produce, and one of the strangest museums you'll ever visit. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. You know, I've been visiting Los Angeles for as long as I can remember. The first time we ever went was when my parents took us on a family vacation in the 70s. And I've been probably dozens and dozens of times since then. But I've avoided doing Los Angeles on the podcast simply because it seemed too overwhelming to capture in the podcast. It's a a huge, sprawling metropolis, and it has so many different, diverse neighborhoods and places and communities and ethnic groups that I didn't feel I could capture the whole thing in a single podcast. But that changed recently when I visited my brother, who lives in Los Angeles, and we spent quite a bit of time in Culver City, which is adjacent to Los Angeles. And At that point, I had an epiphany. Destination Eat Drink doesn't need to distill an entire city into a podcast. We can just talk about one aspect of that city, one cultural group, or one thing that makes that city interesting. So instead of talking about all of Los Angeles in this podcast, what I decided to do is focus on Culver City. Now, we will venture outside of the constraints of that tiny little community of Culver City, but... For the most part, we're going to concentrate on Culver City. So with that in mind, let's do Culver City, a small city of about 40,000 people that was home to some of the first movie studios ever 100 years ago and is now home to some great restaurants, both upscale and down home. So let's eat. What do eat? Hey, you going to finish that? On Destination Eat Drink. There's much more about Culver City and stuff about Los Angeles, too, at DestinationEatDrink.com. I've listed lots of great dishes, beverages, and things to do in Culver City. There's also tons of other destinations on the website, so visit DestinationEatDrink.com. One of my favorite things to do when I visit a new city is to check out their farmer's market. That's because it's usually filled with locals, not tourists. And one of my favorites, not for its size, but for its personality, is in Sicily on the island of Ortizia. One day I'm going to do a podcast about Ortizia. It's one of my favorite places in the world. Um, Lyon, France, Arles, France, they also have fantastic markets. But the markets in Southern California are in a category all by themselves. The produce is unbelievably fresh and available year-round. Culver City has its own market, and it's open on Tuesdays from 2 to 7. Now, most farmers' markets are scheduled for the weekend, but I like going to weekday markets. The vibe seems much more chill, and if you get there early, you get a great selection and avoid the big crowds. Now, when a lot of people think about farmers' markets and fresh produce, their mind immediately goes to one dish, salads. And you can certainly get your fill of salads in and around L.A., but the problem with salad 
is that if you're just getting greens and veggies, you're hungry an hour or two later. That's why I really like this new trend of adding grains and beans to salads. It gives the dish some extra protein as well as interesting flavors and textures and really fills you up. Tender Greens has about 15 area locations, including one in Culver City. They have soups and sandwiches and even some craft beer on tap, but I like to go there for the happy vegan salad. There's so much stuff in it. Farro, quinoa, cranberries, nuts, hummus, and of course, lots and lots of greens. All of those delicious grains, berries, and nuts is placed separately on the plate. It's not mixed together like in a tossed salad, which I really like because then each bite, you can make something a little bit different on your fork. And the greens, of course, are super fresh. I am so tired of salads served with old spring mix greens dumped out of a bag and onto a plate. Tender greens does none of that. One of the great things about L.A. is that it's not just trendy or organic places that serve ultra-fresh produce. Even taco joints get in on the action. Tokaya has a dozen or so locations, including one in Playa Vista, which is right next to Culver City. They call their menu Modern Mexican. And since you can substitute your tortilla for a leaf of butter lettuce, I'd say that's definitely modern, if ever there was modern Mexican. They've got burritos, quesadillas, bowls, and salads, of course, but I love their tacos. They've got several to choose from, and the way you do it is you order the taco, you add your protein, and you add your cheese. So the Cali taco with avocado, onion, and salsa is pretty great, but my favorite, the Baja. It has shaved cabbage, sweet chipotle sauce, cilantro, and chipotle crema. I like adding the adobo tofu and queso fresco, but that's the great thing about Takea. You can add anything you like, carne asada, chicken diablo, cilantro lime vegan chicken, along with my fave, that adobo tofu. They're just a few of the options, and they've got lots of cheese to choose from as well, including a couple of vegan cheeses. It's so fresh and with a hip atmosphere, Tokea is one of my top casual picks in Southern California. But if adobo, tofu, and butter lettuce taco shells sounds a little bit too trendy for you, let me tell you about my all-time favorite taco place on the planet. But first, let me offer this disclaimer. I've bragged about Torchy's Tacos in Austin before, and you can listen to me talk about Torchy's on episode 12 of the podcast. But for as much as I love Torchy's quirky Tex-Mex, Taco Miendo is my all-time favorite place in the world for tacos. They make their tortillas by hand daily right there in the restaurant for you to watch. The location is nothing fancy by any stretch. They're in a strip mall in Culver City, but as I've said before, some of the best places are in the unlikeliest of locations. And strip malls, they tend to have cheap rent, which means immigrants can afford to open a place and serve incredible food. I like to get two veggie tacos at Taco Miendo and then head to the salsa bar and load up on a couple of different salsas to top them with. And for bonus points, Taco Miendo has pickled veggies to add some pucker to your heat of your taco. Some locals come in and out of the place grabbing dinner to go for their families. It's really a family restaurant that serves tacos that will blow your mind. 
after all those tacos. How about some dessert? When we first walked into Van Leeuwen, I said to my brother only half-jokingly, these guys, they're definitely from Brooklyn. Turns out I was right. They started as an ice cream truck in Brooklyn, but then they opened up an ice cream shop in Culver City. Now, that hip Brooklyn vibe could easily go straight into the dumper if the ice cream isn't up to snuff, but these folks, they're the real deal. Their ice cream is some of the best I've ever had. The cookies and cream caramel swirl is my all-time favorite, but they have lots of interesting flavors like cookie crumble, strawberry jam, and honeycomb, and they make their waffle cones fresh right there in the shop. Now, before we leave the eats and sit down for a beverage, let me mention two other incredible spots that aren't in Culver City but deserve to be talked about. Crossroads Kitchen is only a couple miles from Culver City and serves some of the best food you'll ever have. In fact, I think so highly of Crossroads that they're on my top 10 meals of all time. Now, granted, that list has grown over the years and does contain more than just 10 items, but still, Crossroads is incredible. Their menu is so-called plant-based, but I hesitate to call this a vegetarian restaurant because of the stereotypes that creates. Crossroads Kitchen is really fine dining with all the dishes made with fresh ingredients and prepared expertly. Everyone loves eating at Crossroads, so to call it a vegetarian restaurant only limits what they really do. Some of my favorites on the menu are the charred ricotta and apricot glaze and the spiced chickpeas that I could eat by the gallon. When truffles are in season, the fettuccine with shaved truffles is definitely worth the splurge. The plates are small, so what we like to do is order a bunch of stuff and share it with everyone. But if you order the spiced chickpeas, definitely don't expect me to pass the plate. After 10 p.m., the bar menu has sliders made with Impossible Burgers. If you haven't heard of these, these are the latest, most popular vegetarian burgers out there. And I think they're the closest thing to a meat burger that anyone has ever come up with. These guys are selling Impossible Burgers so fast that restaurants around the country are having trouble keeping them in stock. They also have a grilled cheese with broccoli bisque for just 10 bucks, quite a deal at Crossroads Kitchen. And if you can't make it there, they have one of the best cookbooks ever. Check out the show notes for a link to the Crossroads Kitchen cookbook. The other place outside of Culver City I want to talk about is Smorgasburg. A hundred years ago, the terminal market in Los Angeles sold wholesale produce to be shipped all over the West Coast. Today, there's still a produce market there, but on Sundays, it transforms into L.A.'s Smorgasburg. Words can't describe the massive scale of this outdoor foodie paradise. Any kind of food you can imagine, and many others you've never even thought of, are for sale from the hundreds and hundreds of tents in Smorgasburg that attracts 50,000 visitors each week. Some of these tents are restaurants who are just doing pop-ups. Others 
are homemade little kitchen enterprises that bring their tents to Smorgasburg and sell their wares. There's Peruvian tacos, Brazilian brigadeiros, Puerto Rican mofongo, mole cupcakes. Smorgasburg has more delicious food than you could sample in a lifetime. There's also handmade artisan items for sale. Think sunglasses sold from converted VW microbuses and handcrafted skateboard decks. All they need is a unicycle vendor or someone selling mustache wax to complete the picture. Want to drink? I'll have another on Destination Eat Drink. Get the Destination Eat Drink podcast delivered directly to your phone or computer. Subscribe at iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, or at radiomisfits.com. If you enjoy the podcast, please rate and review it. In the hill country of Texas, just outside of Austin, there's a place called the Barber Shop in Dripping Springs. And at one time, it actually was a barber shop, but several years ago, it became a bar, and the owner never bothered to change the name. So today, it's still called the Barber Shop. And my favorite thing about the barbershop is a chalkboard that sits by the door. Here, they put a hash mark on the board every time someone walks in looking for a trim. The folks at the Blind Barber in Culver City have taken this idea one step further. They have a real barbershop in front and a bar and lounge in the back. So if you need a haircut and a beer... This is your place to go. Their happy hour beers are just four bucks, which is quite a deal. And they've got a dozen kinds of grilled cheese on the menu. My kind of place. The Culver Hotel has quite the history. Clark Gable, Judy Garland, Joan Crawford, Frank Sinatra, Betty Grable, they all stayed at the hotel at one time or another. So did the Munchkins while they were filming The Wizard of Oz, which was filmed in the nearby MGM studios. The hotel also housed another famous resident, Harry Culver, Culver City's namesake. He had an office in the Culver Hotel, and legend has it that his ghost roams around on the second floor, opening and closing doors. Inside the Culver Hotel, there's a secluded little speakeasy upstairs from the lobby. It's called the Velvet Lounge. There's plenty of nooks and crannies in the Velvet Lounge, and I can imagine studio bigwigs and actors consummating many a deal over drinks at the Velvet Lounge. The drinks have creative names at this speakeasy. The Ruby Slipper 2.0 is my favorite. Gastropubs are all the rage these days, and there's two excellent ones in Culver City. Father's Office has opened another location in the thriving Helms Bakery District, the brainchild of Chef Sang Yoon. This place is famous for their burgers, which are strictly served as is. No substitutions allowed and absolutely no ketchup served. But for me, the real reason to go is their craft beer selection. They have selections from eclectic breweries like Yorkshire Square, Three Weavers, and Cascade Brewing. Father's Office also has a beer cellar filled with hard-to-find, unusual, and very expensive choices like the Fremont B-Bomb. That one goes for $45. Public school has its own unique concept. Their restaurant and bar 
is designed to look like a schoolhouse. The booths look like school desks, while the menu resemble those old composition tablets we used to write our essays on. Public school doesn't have happy hour. Instead, they call theirs recess, and it goes from four to seven, and you can get some beer and wine for five bucks a pop. Not too shabby. Things to do and places to see. I don't know. What do you want to do? On Destination Eat Drink. Have a question or a comment about Destination Eat Drink? Find me on Facebook or Instagram at Destination Eat Drink, on Twitter at Eat Destination, or click on the contact tab at DestinationEatDrink.com. 100 years ago, Culver City was the center of movie making. Thomas Ince once opened a studio here in 1918. Hal Roach followed the next year, and MGM built their studio in 1920. RKO, Desi Lu, and several other studios called Culver City Home, and movies like The Wizard of Oz, Raging Bull, and E.T. were all filmed in Culver City. So were TV shows like Gunsmoke, Hogan's Heroes, Mad About You, Jeopardy. Today, most of those studios are gone. The buildings have been raised long ago to make way for housing developments. MGM Studios left, but Sony took over the space, and you can actually tour Sony Studios for 50 bucks. I haven't taken the tour myself, but people who have tell me that if there's filming going on, a lot of the sets are closed off during the tour. I guess my best advice would be to go in the summer when many TV shows aren't filming, but you never know what's going to be open and what's going to be closed. Just don't expect to see any big movie stars wandering around the lot. Then again, you never know what you might stumble on. For me, though, a better use of your time and a whole lot cheaper option is the free self-guided walking tour of Culver City. You'll go past the Sony Studios, not into it, the Culver Hotel, even the Hobbit House of Culver City, a local landmark that was designed by a Disney studio artist. You can download the map of the free walking tour online. I have a link to it in the show notes. The free self-guided walking tour also takes you to the Museum of Jurassic Technology. Do not miss this bizarre place. I can't tell if this museum is supposed to be a joke that we're not in on or someone's weirdo collection of artifacts or something else altogether. Its strangeness is truly unrivaled. Inside are displays that have no logical connection to each other, yet they're each captivating in their own right. There's a display of the history of trailer parks, magician Ricky Jay's decaying dice. There's even a portrait gallery of Soviet space dogs. Go inside with an open mind and leave yourself plenty of time because you're sure to get drawn into this weird vortex just like I was. Another unusual museum is the Wendy Museum, dedicated to the artifacts of the Cold War. The Wendy has Soviet-era spying equipment on display. While this stuff was on the cutting edge of technology back in the day, today it looks more like something you'd see in a 1960s James Bond movie knockoff. The Wendy also has a collection of Lenin busts, some painted in funny colors, and the largest section of the Berlin Wall on display outside of Germany. 
Most German cities that fell under Soviet domination in the old East Germany have a museum dedicated to the Stasi's spying efforts on its citizens. Berlin has a very good one, but there's only a handful of Cold War museums in the United States, and most of them are dedicated to atomic testing or nuclear-armed missiles. The Wendy is really the only museum of its kind here in the United States. The Watts Towers aren't in Culver City, they're in Watts, but I have to mention this incredible structure because it's one of the most amazing examples of outsider art and because of its connection to the Beatles. Italian immigrant Simon Rodia started using surplus building materials from construction jobs where he was working. And he built the Watts Towers over the course of 33 years, finally finishing the job in 1954. The spires at the towers reach nearly 100 feet in the air, and intricate mosaics decorate curved archways and walls. Other objects like bottles, mirrors, and shells decorate this big structure. But because of vandalism at the tower site, Simon moved away from Watts, never returned. The city of Los Angeles sued and tried to have the structure deemed unsafe, but tests showed them to be architecturally sound. The city of Los Angeles sent out cranes to try and pull down the towers, but they couldn't. And even today, many of Simon Rodia's principles are used in constructing new towers. That's how good a job he did. But far beyond the Watts Tower, Simon Rodia's enduring legacy must be his placement on the world's most famous album cover. In 1967, the Beatles completed their masterpiece, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. The cover was to have a picture of the band surrounded by flowers and images of other celebrities. Each of the Beatles and some other folks associated with the group got to pick images of celebrities that would go onto the cover. So folks like Bob Dylan, Marlon Brando, Marilyn Monroe, and several of George Harrison's favorite gurus are on the cover, along with lesser-known artists like Simon Rodia. It's not 100% clear who chose Simon Rodia to be on the cover, but it seems that it wasn't John Paul George or Ringo. It was probably artistic director Peter Blake or his wife, who made the decision to put Rodia on the cover because they were both fans of the outsider artist. Now, if you go to the Watts Towers, keep two things in mind. First, this is a quiet residential neighborhood, so be kind and respectful of the residents when you visit. Second, if you visit the adjacent arts center, there is a large framed copy of Sgt. Pepper hidden in a small foyer. And that's how I found out about Simon Rodia's connection to the Beatles. I looked at that picture of Sgt. Pepper's cover and thought, why the heck is this here? I did some research and I saw that Simon Rodia was actually included on the cover. The weather's almost always nice in Southern California and everyone likes to spend lots of time outdoors. That means there's lots of great places to hike in and near Culver City. The Kenneth Hahn State Recreation Area is over 400 acres and has lots of hiking trails, including the popular Bowl Loop. There's also a nice Japanese garden with a rather large koi pond. 
And just over the boulevard is the Baldwin Hills Scenic Overlook. The stairs are steep. The climb is pretty tough. I wouldn't go on a hot day, but you're rewarded with a panoramic view of the city if you make it to the top. If you want a more leisurely climb, you can take the switchbacks going up the hill. It takes longer, but it's not as tough as those high steps. My favorite outdoor spot in Culver City is the Stoneview Nature Center. This space doubles as a botanic garden and education center. It's much smaller than the Kenneth Hahn State Recreation Area, but the unique thing about Stoneview is that almost all the plants in the garden are edible. There's an herb garden, a vegetable garden, citrus trees, and the entire space is outlined with grapevines hanging on the fencing. Guests are encouraged to pick and take home anything that's ripe, but leave some for the next visitors. And if you have kids, check out their website for story time at Stoneview. And if your idea of outdoor fun is wandering around the final resting place of your favorite dead celebrity, get over to the Holy Cross Cemetery. Bella Lugosi, Rita Hayworth, Sharon Tate, Bing Crosby, and many, many other Hollywood stars are buried at the Holy Cross Cemetery. Tips and inside information on Destination Eat and Drink. I like talking about and writing about food and beverages around the world. And when I'm not doing that, I write fiction. Check out my foodie novel, Truffle Hunt, and That Bird, my collection of short stories on DestinationEatDrink.com. Just click on the Contact and Books tab. If you're going to Culver City or L.A. for that matter, you're probably flying into LAX. From there, you can rent a car or take an Uber. It's about 20 bucks from LAX to Culver City. Culver City itself is pretty walkable, so if that's your only destination, you won't need a car. Culver City also has bus service that's pretty reliable, but if you're going anywhere else in Los Angeles or Southern California, you will probably need a car. L.A. is spending a lot of money on infrastructure and light rail, but the fact is it's still a huge, sprawling city, and makes it difficult to get around without a car. Culver City is a small city, so there's not a lot of hotels here besides the Culver Hotel. Airbnb is a good option because lots of unique places in Culver City rent out rooms and apartments. Check out some of my picks at DestinationEatDrink.com. In addition, The Hobbit House, that's the place designed by the Disney Studio artist that I mentioned earlier, that sometimes shows up for rent on Craigslist, but it can be hit or miss whether they're putting it up for rent or not. You'll have to check out the website rather than banking on definitely getting in there. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of Destination Eat Drink. We drop a new show each Friday. Join me next week as we visit Mexico City. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by Ed Silla. Big thanks to him. I'm Brent Peterson, and I'll see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.